troops. This is the Eagle Podcast, the home of accountability. Troops, here we are. We're live. It's another Eagle Podcast. I've been joined tonight by an absolute tank of a man. And if you're from the Darlington area, you'll know who I mean. It's Mark Bell. Mark, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, thank you. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm all right. Uh, quick question. Where did the nickname Tank come from? <laughs> uh, it was from rugby, uh, from when right. I was uh, 12 years old. Um, <laughs> 12 I, 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 years? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really grown much since I was 12. So at that time, I was uh, the, the, uh, the tactic in the games was to pass me the ball and I would just run through everybody. Um, you just saw me. <laughs> that Give it to the big lad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. That's that, that's the is that where your um passion for rugby came from from an early age or yeah for sure um I used to enjoy it since uh, juniors um I fell out of love a little bit with the sport when I turned in the senior rugby there wasn't really support there to kind of um help that transition so I dropped off a little bit right um but picked it up again in my early twenties and I've I've not looked back really I've enjoyed it ever since uh, and what is it Mark that you like about rugby barring um obviously playing the game is it the sort of social in the community aspect of being a part of a club? It's everything. It's, uh, I genuinely believe it's the greatest team sport out there. Yeah, it's, it's for everybody. There's a, there's a place in the team for every kind of shape person. <laughs> um, it's, it's inclusive for women, men. We have, we, you know, we care for absolutely everybody who wants to play the game. And I think that the kind of family feel of a rugby club is, is second to none. Yeah. Um, everybody knows each other, you know, everybody's there for each other um, on and off the pitch. So it's, it's just a great atmosphere. And tell everyone who you play for. Uh, I'm the second team captain at uh, Malden Park. Yeah. And how, how long have you been at Malden Park for? Right, since I was 12. So oh, this, wow. One man, this, this, one man club. <laughs> yeah, this, this is my uh, 25th season playing for them. Wow, that's amazing. 25th season. God. I think one thing that rugby does much better than football, and it's done it for a long time, is it is sort of really open, isn't it, for all sorts of shapes, sizes, abilities, men, women. And, and the women's game's really strong, isn't it? The, the Sharks. All right, so the women's game is really taken four or five years. Um, it seems to, it's, it's certainly got the spot now a few, um, right down to grassroots rugby. Um, I've done some coaching for the last few years. Um, I coached my daughter from when she was 12, 13, through to her um, first season senior rugby. Um, and yeah, the, the Sharks are mild in a premiership team. They have a number of internationals playing wow. for them. Um, really strong really strong links with the England um, team. So, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. And, and that's great as well, isn't it? That's great for um, if you're female and you're looking to get into a team sport, then obviously that'll be the place to go, I'd have thought now. Over football, maybe. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Um, again, it, it caters for all kind of abilities, um, all, all levels, really. There's, 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 there's teams there to support you if you've never played before. It's yeah. fun to get into this. And obviously, you go right through to the elite level um, of the Sharks' first team, who, as I said, they, they have a number of international players playing for them. So it's literally all standards of rugby catered for. Um, and even going through the age groups, um, minis, rugby's combined, uh, boys and girls play on the same team until they reach kind of 10, 10 or 11 and they separate off. So there's, there's girls' age groups at 13, 15, and 18. Wow. How, how, does that, how does that work with boys and girls in the same team? Is it, is it less, less sort of combative and more touch based or is it still fairly fairly hands on uh, no it, it's all uh, it's, it's non-contact until oh, cool. uh, I believe until 9 or 10 I can't remember exactly right, yeah, yeah. but yeah it's, it's tag rugby until uh, it's a certain age um, and then obviously contact's introduced uh, and obviously tag tag rugby will, Im- will improve sort of um, 
handling skills, won it, and, and, and passing skills and being more fluid with the ball, running with the ball. And Yeah, you would, you'd like to hope so, but uh, <laughs> I suppose it depends on the age group you're coaching, really, because yeah. uh, some, some of the younger ones is literally herding cats. <laughs> <laughs> herding cats. And you get a lot of sort of enjoyment from seeing, you've been there 25 seasons, so you must have seen a lot of people start off and then get to a certain level. There's a lot of enjoyment seeing people grow and become much, much better players. Yeah, of, of course there is. Uh, Prime example, like I said, my daughter coached her through from yeah. uh, never playing before. She used to just come on the sidelines and watch me play. Um, she decided she wanted to take it up, and then she got through to uh, representing the county. You know, a really proud moment for me. So yeah, having a direct influence on that kind of development um, is really positive. And you know, it's it's it, the enjoyment you get from that across across teams and age groups yeah. is really tangible. It's you know, you, t- you get a lot of satisfaction from you know directly in, like impacting on a, on, a, on a person's life. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... It's a great thing. And obviously your own rugby career, rugby obviously being a very um, combative sport, uh, we've talked before, injuries. Uh, how do you manage sort of full-time work, full-time family, keeping fit and getting injured and playing rugby? Uh, I, I, de- I definitely believe the older you get, the more you've got to invest in yourself and look after your body. Um, I, I take my training seriously far yeah. more now than maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I currently train um, every day, at least once a day. Um, I'll, I'll wait train Monday to Friday and I'll try and do cardio as well um, I vary that with bits of like swimming or, or clearly rugby training or cycling yeah. uh, and then I play on a, on a Saturday um, I've been really fortunate um, touch wood I guess that I've not had any any significant injuries yeah. uh, I've been quite fortunate in that respect to still be playing at a reasonable level at my age uh, I know plenty have had to retire younger um, because of, of, of you know really kind of uh, big injuries, but mm. I, I've been pretty fortunate. Would you say, in your sort of time as a player, you've seen training styles, um, new therapies, yoga, Pilates, and all these sort of maybe new traditions being introduced into the sport? Uh, yeah, without doubt. I think uh, there's so many aspects to it now. Um, I think when I, when I was certainly at, at juniors, moving to seniors, it was, you would turn up, you would hold a tackle pad and you get smashed around the park for an hour. Um, <laughs> And you just be broken, and not, you're not really developing your skills. Whereas now, yeah. now I, I've done some work with with, with kind of uh, higher level players, and it's a really structured kind of training plan. And there's there's yeah. only so much contact in in the, in the training uh, that's reduced. Uh, a lot of work on on very basic skills to make sure you're getting that right. Yeah. Um. A, a lot of emphasis on um on pre and post workout. Make sure you're stretching off. Make sure you're you're hydrated. Make sure you're recovering. Um, yeah the whole nutritional side, which is hugely yeah. important. And I think now we're, we're starting to see more and more um, kind of mental health awareness. Oh, really? Um, wow. And the, and the real impact that can have on your game. Um, so, yeah, I think there's still a lot to do. Um, but <laughs> we've certainly made huge strides over the last few years. Do you know what? You've covered quite a lot of, uh, a lot of topics there, and, it, and it's dead interesting because, obviously, stereotypical, the, rug, the, the lads' rugby team is sort of going a bit of a tour, knock back 15, 20 pints the night before, fry up and then go and play a game of like you know rugby in the mud but obviously that's a stereotype and now actually what you're talking about is probably good night's sleep the night before hydration nutrition and all that sort of good stuff now yeah yeah i mean don't get me wrong there's a place for both depending on <laughs> who you play you want to play at uh, <laughs> so, so rugby is still very much alive there's, there's clearly teams and clubs that uh that, that are focused more on the social side and uh, make mm-hmm. sure the social game's on point and the <laughs> and maybe a game of rugby breaks out. Uh, but, but certainly, the, the higher up the, the leagues and the level you go, uh, then absolutely, it's it's uh, there's a time and place for a couple of beers. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be uh, in moderation and, and you know sensible. 
when you're playing, are you always involved in the game or is there times when you sort of stand back and you, you have a good overwatch of the game and you can feel how a game's going? Uh, I'd like to say that I'm I'm constantly involved. I'm sure people who, who watch me will tell me that I do stand around a little bit from time to time. Um, I, I will, you know, concede I'm twice as old as some of the lads I'm playing with, so I'll, yeah. I'll have that excuse. Well, I think as captain, you've got to make sure you've got some kind of oversight of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so you can make strategic decisions and you can kind of dictate to the, the playmakers what you want to do um, on, yeah. on the pitch. You've yeah. still got to liaise a little bit with uh, those on the sidelines to make sure that game plans are being kind of agreed and followed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally speaking, I try, I try to on top of the play as much as possible. And that, that's a sort of interesting aspect. Um, game plans. Obviously, people do the homework on opposition or maybe you've got a history with a certain opposition that you've played a few times and it's been a tight game. How much does that play into a victory or is it down to whoever wants it the most on the day? Or have you ever played bad and, and still won and then obviously played good and then lost and thought, I don't know, this has happened? Well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. your final two points there. that They're very relevant. Um, yeah. The level I play at, we don't do too much research into oppositions. You, you mm. tend to know the kind of team you're going to come against depending on the club and the histories of, of games yeah. in the past. Um, so you can kind of plan to, to either keep it in the forwards or try and be a bit expansive. Um, but the nature of second-team rugby um, across all teams, I guess, is that there's such a kind of uh, fluid movement of players. Yeah. So if um, if a first team's been hit by injuries, the second team will lose a lot of players up and therefore right. drag some kind of low-level players in. Uh, vice versa, you might have some first-team players come back from injury. Yeah, yeah. They'll go straight into the second team, so therefore it brings the standard up. Um, so there's not we, we don't put too much into planning. We generally focus mm. on our game, um, play to our strengths. Well, as, as you said there, you know that there is games we've we've won where you kind of wonder afterwards in the bar, you know, how, you know how we won that, um, and, yeah. and vice versa. Uh, we had one a couple of weeks ago up at um, up at Percy Park, uh, where we were the better team and we somehow um, lost the game. I think we, was, we were winning reasonably comfortably at half time, and I think half of us had, uh, had already decided to go to the bar for a pint at half time. Didn't bother coming back out again because we wow. we just we just gave it up second half and it was frustrating to be part of. Wow, and, and can you feel it slipping away, Mark? And you feel like there's nothing you can do about it? How does it feel when you think it's not going our way and I, and I can't get a grip of it? It's Yeah, you can definitely kind of sense this. Um, it tends to be with, you know, the odd decision starts to go against you. Mm. Um, you don't get the kind of bounce to the ball. Um, or You know, daft, daft mistakes will, will creep in and, and, you know, confidence can impact on a full team, not just mm. individual players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, that, and the other side of it, I guess, is, you know, extraneous factors like weather. Um, in, you know, crowds that are kind of up against you. Um, yeah, yeah. That they can have an impact. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's sport, isn't it? It's, how much does um, how much does a crowd affect you? Have you ever been personally affected by a crowd? Have you ever been sort of like targeted or something? Obviously, for those who don't know you, you're, you're obviously a big chap, and uh, you've uh, you're a strawberry blonde. Has anyone ever sort of picked <laughs> you out? <laughs> ginger, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, so basically we're saying I'm fat and ginger. Um, <laughs> no, I never said that, mate. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> you're, not, you're not the first, it's fine. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, you play at some places where they're quite hostile. Um, and certainly I'm, I'm quite kind of well-known across um, yeah. local yeah. rugby uh, in the North East, so... Uh, there is places where I'll get a bit more stick than others. <laughs> is some of it given in banter and some of it given sort of, you know, with a real venom to it? Or, or is it always a banter side? Is it always like it meant in sort of jovial fun? No, there's, there's both. There's, there's oh, really? Wow. Yeah, there's, people, there's people there who wind you up just having a laugh with it and you'll have a beer yeah. with them afterwards and, you know, you'll give it back to them. But there's certainly, um, there's certainly some malicious people out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's based on, you know, histories of previous performances, I guess, where you've... Yeah. 
up against somebody and had a you know bit of bit of a bit of beef and yeah uh, yeah yeah some people can get pretty nasty with it but you uh, just you put mm. it behind you. And is there anyone sort of who you play against or a few who you have a real good rivalry with and you think when you see that you're playing in the week like in a few weeks you think I can't wait to get stuck in with him it's always a good contest. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a couple of teams uh, that we we always have a really good battle with, um, and where there's there's a bit of hostility. Um, which you know, fine well going into the game that yeah, it doesn't really matter which fifteen players are playing for them. You're <laughs> going to get it's going to get tasty. Yeah, um, and you look forward to those challenges. It's part of the game. And and is the first challenge important, Max? If it's that you 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 know the ball's in play and you think right, it's I'm going to get in here. Is it very important for you to think? I've got to get a good tackle in early to sort of set the tempo of how my game's going to be. Or sometimes I, can you... Yeah, I yeah. think it's huge. It's certainly, um, it's generally part of my team talk in the changing room before the game. It's, it's all making sure that the, your contact counts in the first 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, make sure your opposite number knows that they're in a game. Um, you don't Straight away. Going forward. Yeah. Um, and then the opportunity you get to put a, put a hit in, then you, you do it. Um, <laughs> obviously bordering on, on what's legal and what's yeah, illegal. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's important to, uh, to, to kind of get on the front foot. Um, and, and it's a physical game and that's um, a huge part of it. I suppose some games of rugby are literally won and lost within the first sort of five, ten minutes of a game, either with how you've sort of imposed your will from the start and the tackles have been made. I, I would go um, further than that, John. I would say that uh, I've had games won and lost in the warm-up. Wow. Um, if, wow. If if, <laughs> genuinely, if, you, if you're away, you know, we've, we've done it ourselves. We've, we've gone away somewhere. and uh, We've been out first, prepared, warming up, really fired up. Yeah. Um, when the when the opposition come out and see that you've got a really kind of well drilled, professional mm. looking set of lads who are ready yeah. to go, you can see your heads kind of drop already in the in the uh, in, in the warm up. So you you know at kick off that if you're, if you're if you're on the ball straight away, they're not. Then you've already got the, the kind of the winning mentality. It's interesting. Is there any? There's obviously always a lot of respect in rugby for for two teams. There's always more respect than I would say that you see in sort of football. Is there any anything said in between sort of warm ups or like said to someone like? I'm getting into you today. Do you know what I mean? Is it is it some or is it more yeah. glares and glances at each other as if to sort of say? Uh, yeah, it's not really. Uh, if I'm honest, I always uh, certain the lads I take out um, won't we? If I, I just tell them to focus on their own game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I encourage them not to not to watch the opposition. You know, not to second guess what they're up against mm. uh, because it, it can affect your own own game again. Before yeah, yeah. You start. If you see your opposite numbers, you know, six foot six and twenty two stone. Um, then you start worrying about your first contact, whereas yeah, the yeah. warm should be about getting yourself physically and mentally prepared for the game. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's certainly no, or well, there's very little dialogue beforehand. Yeah. It's just done as soon as you start. Um, yeah. Again, going back to your point, there's just a lot of respect and yeah. kind of professionalism around how you prepare for a game. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's a great a great example for youngsters growing up, actually, the, the game of rugby. And it sort of fascinates me um, when you're sort of, when you're on the pitch just before the ball's put into play, even though you've sort of a, a seasoned vet now, do you still get that sort of the butterfly feeling? Yes, yeah, uh, for some of the big games, without doubt. And there's nerves come with being 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 the leader, really, because yeah, you know, you're yeah. expected to lead by example. So you know that you're kind of probably under a little bit more scrutiny. Um, and certainly, like you said, with being a with being a veteran, um, sort of speak, um, you've got these kids coming through that are you know 20 years younger than you who look to you to yeah. to kind of you know, almost hold the hand and and, and, and encourage them into, to, to kind of enjoying the, the game and being confident. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely, I would, I would agree with that. And um, when someone sort of new comes into the team, 
do you sort of put an arm around them as the captain? And, and, and if it's their first game and you can see they're nervous, do you have to sort of sometimes, with some people, you've got to almost coach them in the first game? Or, or do you just let people play the first game? Um, I think you have to treat everybody as individuals. Mm. Um, and it's the same way I, I deal with anybody who we, we get involved yeah. in coaching, really. I think some respond to that. Um, some respond to, you know, being shouted at. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Others just want clear instruction in terms of what they're expected to do on the pitch. Mm. Um, but I, I, I believe you've got to kind of get to know the players um, yeah. you know, as much as possible, really, and, and kind of figure out yourself what how, you know what, what they need from you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. And obviously, one thing I've noticed from the club, obviously, with your foundation, it's been massively supportive of what you what you're trying to do. And if you'd like to tell everyone about your foundation, and we'll, we'll kick on from there. Yeah. Um, the club have been a huge part of it um, from from day one. Yeah. Um, so I'll just I'll go back to the beginning if you like. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sure thing. Go for it, Mark. Yeah. So it's so my son Luke. Um, it was uh, unfortunately diagnosed with um, high risk neuroblastoma. Yeah. Um, back in in kind of April uh, 2017. Yeah. Um, we didn't expect it at all. Um, he'd yeah. been run down and, and tired and a few aches and pains for for a couple of months prior to, to being diagnosed and even yeah. the diagnosis course itself was quite quite drawn out. But it became clear we needed some some support really so we approached yeah. the club straight away um, and some other kind of friends and family yeah. um, who, who all put an arm around us and, and helped yeah. us. Um, we, we went through the, the, the journey with Luke. Um, there was lots of um, lots of treatment, lots of staying in uh, the RVI in Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, travel backwards and forwards. Um, yeah. It became you know all encompassing you know life for the family mm. revolved around Luke's um, diagnosis and his treatment. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, club were, the club were brilliant from, from the start. Um, really, uh, really couldn't have been any more supportive um, and a really good advert for the sport. Yeah, no. Um, for those who don't know um, about the disease, what, what, can you sort of, what can you sort of tell us about it and what's the sort of signs? So, the disease itself, it's, uh, it's a form of cancer. Um, right. Neuroblastoma generally affects children on the age of five. Um, Luke was uh, quite late in, in getting it. He was, he was seven when he was diagnosed. In terms of the signs, um, he just he, he became really fatigued really quickly. Um, wow. right, okay. he, was, he had aches and pains in his, in his leg. Um, yeah. uh, and then he, got, he developed lumps and bumps and bruises and such like. And I guess, looking back and at the time, we just put it down to maybe growing pains. Or yeah, yeah. Being a young boy, just young exactly, boys. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, but it wasn't until we got a, a couple of calls from school saying he was um, falling asleep in lessons, uh, which right. was really unlikely. Luke was a really yeah. um, energetic a little boy and you'd never imagine that. So uh, we took him to um, we took him to the doctor who initially told us he was just anemic. He needed some more fruit and veg in his diet and, and, wow. and what have you. Um, which again, I suppose you kind of you can understand yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, within, within a couple of days of that, he'd, uh, he'd fallen asleep in lesson again. Um, so we went back to, to the GP and said, "Look, you know, there's there's got to be more to it than that." Yeah, yeah. Um, so we insisted on on further tests being done. Yeah. And um, and that was on a on a on a Thursday. I remember it really clearly. Yeah. Um, because I was actually at uh, I was training on the Thursday night. I was coaching my daughter's rugby team. Right. Um, and I got a phone call from um, from A and E in, in Darlington Memorial Hospital saying, "Yeah, um, they had received the tests from um, the results from Luke's blood test. Yeah, um, he needed to go straight to A and E, really. So, um, but again, at that stage, you still don't, you still don't realize yeah. what it's going to be. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't, you don't think worst case. You just, you know, it's, it's more. Let's get in there. Let's get it fixed. And so we stayed. They took some more tests. They didn't tell us at that stage what I thought it was. They just wanted to do yeah. some further tests. Um, so I sent everybody else home. Me and Luke stayed um, in the in the hospital overnight. Um, but I remember being, um, I wasn't asleep. Like I was just, the doctor yeah. came in at about uh, one o'clock in the morning and said, oh, we've got a test back. We need to speak to you. So they took me into this, this little room and said that uh, obviously found cancer in his blood, which was just, you know, I could have, you could have um, just, just knocked me out really, basically. Just yeah, yeah. Probably wiped me out. Um, so I had to obviously phoned up uh, Luke's mum and um, my parents mm. and, and a couple of other kind of close friends and family to tell them the news. Um, and then he, he was um, taken up to um, RVI the following morning by um, by ambulance, which uh, was, yeah. he, he saw was, was quite fun. But it was, it was uh, I think the most difficult part of the process was trying to explain to, to Luke what was wrong with him without, without being too kind of serious yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, you've, you're trying to put that sort of brave face on, aren't you? But yeah, no, it's, um, it, it must have been absolutely horrific, mate. And um, I mean, everyone from Darlington, and I'd say sort of County Durham was obviously well aware of you and obviously I saw all the sort of social media posts and obviously we were training at the same gym for a time and uh, Steve McLean and lots of others, uh, Paragon, lots of other people in the town did lots, didn't they? Charity yeah, yeah. events and raised all sorts of money and, um, you know, it brought it brought, it brought brought so many people together. I mean, um, obviously, uh, I got to know Helen Ridley who came out with me uh, quite a few times she went away and did quite a lot of sort of stuff on her own and raised money but um, you sort of went um, you know on a lot of sort of you, you were trying to get specialist treatment at points weren't you like over over was it over in the States? It was um, Barcelona so Oh um, Barcelona right okay Neurobastoma is quite a rare a rare disease yeah um, it affects um, fewer than 100 kids a year in the country wow. Um, you're talking really, really low numbers. So yeah. as a result of that, there's not a huge amount of, of, of treatment available. They have yeah. a, a fairly well-established um, series of frontline treatments. Yeah. Um, so they initially started on um, cycles of chemotherapy. Yeah. Um, neuroblastoma is uh, formed in a tumour. So the, the treatment generally goes down the routes of, of chemotherapy. It's to reduce the, the levels of, um, of cancer in your body. Down right. to a point where um, try and remove the tumor through surgery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then, then they target that area um, with further high dose chemotherapy. Yeah, and then um, radiotherapy around the area to try and um, prevent it from developing again. Um, mm. And then the the final stage in that process is immunotherapy. Right. Um, which is the, the treatment is designed to uh, almost recode your own immune system to fight cancer cells itself. Wow. Um, so that was uh, that was kind of the first seven or eight months of, of Luke's treatment. Yeah. So we got to the uh, December um, and, you know, he had tests and scans periodically. Uh, in December, um, after the surgery and after his high-dose chemo, um, we were told he was all clear. Uh, yeah. There's no, 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 no cancer in his system. Um, so we had the, the radiotherapy um, in January and then started um, the three months of immunotherapy. Yeah. Um, but then routine tests in... I think it must be March, April time again. Um, showed unfortunately he'd relapsed um, and the cancer had returned. Wow. Um, so that's when they say when the when the, the, the relapse of neuroblastoma, the chances of survival uh, right. are less than one one percent. Um, it's a very it's a very aggressive and, and, and nasty illness. Um, so it was it, we knew at that stage we were up against it. There were still yeah. treatments available to us. Yeah. Um, 
what we did um, as a family started uh, to look into what options are out there. Yeah. Um, wider, wider than just NHS. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What kind of clinical trials are, are on the horizon? And um, I've got to give my mum a shout with this yeah. because yeah, yeah. Um, she she's the most informed person I've ever met around this this subject. Yeah. She she put uh, days and weeks of research in, in, into finding out you know what what we could do, what the chances were, and what each kind of treatment involved, um, and the, the kind of money we need to, to to look at raising. So. Um, we ca- we carried on with the kind of second phase of treatment once it relapsed, which was yeah. um, further uh, further chemotherapy. Um, and then he was um, accepted onto um, the minivan trial, which um, that's when he was on Channel Four News. Uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Bit of um, publicity around that. So yeah, that, that involved um, a month down in in London, right. um, and then and then uh, fortnightly trips down to uh, Southampton to uh, right. for immunotherapy um so that was uh, we, we started with that um and that was september october time yeah um in um 2018 yeah yeah and then unfortunately uh, further tests um showed um in kind of november december time that uh, the disease had spread very significantly um we had large-scale coverage um and we were told it was uh second week in december um the yards Unfortunately, it, it it was at the point where we were talking weeks, possibly wow. months. Yeah. Um, which is obviously pretty devastating for the family. Um, yeah. But at that stage, again, we were still in touch with um, various options. Um, you know, we we still believed he would pull through it, so we had yeah. the uh, the option for Barcelona confirmed he could go on a trial over there, um, which was due to start um, early January. Um, that was yeah. it was 100, 125,000 pounds it was it was going to cost yeah which would have been, throughout the whole journey um, yeah fundraising had continued yeah um, we'd raised a significant amount already at that stage I really pushed it um, through it and we got into like national press and, and locally it was it picked up and we raised the money um, mm-hmm. so we got to the stage where we had the, had the money but unfortunately uh, Luke just couldn't quite see it through yeah um Honestly, mate, I think what you've gone through there, you know, and I know like your, your little boy had cancer, but the effect on the whole family, you know, constantly every day is a fight, isn't it? You know, traveling to London, traveling to Southampton, you, you, you'd have walked there if you had to, do you know what I mean? And, and everyone put in a thousand percent and, you know, as a struggle, it, it's truly, truly heartbreaking as a family and, and for yourself, uh, what, what you must have gone through with that. Uh, and obviously, with your little boy passing away when he did, um, I, and I, I remember, I remember it really, really clear, really clear. And God, I remember sitting in my car outside the gym, mate, and and I was crying. Do you know what I mean? And and I didn't really even know you then. Do you know what I mean? Like I saw you in the gym, and I, and I saw your little boy coming out in and out the gym, but I've never sort of been affected by something so much from someone I didn't know that. Like, that's what I mean. Everyone got involved with it. Like, everyone really, it became like the town sort of, let's all get behind it sort of thing. And, you know, what you've done there is, we'll talk about now the foundation that you've, that you've set up now. Um, talk about you sort of, you, where you see the foundation going moving forward in sort of 2020 and everything that you've got coming up in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we were determined that um, something positive would come from this. Yeah. Um, we obviously, we, we had raised a fairly significant amount of money there. 
Yeah. Um, so we, as a family, we kind of sat down and decided, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to support other local charities? Yeah. Um, you know, we uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that we needed to do something to kind of create a legacy for Luke. Yeah. Um, so the natural thing really was for us to put together this foundation to try and support um, others that, uh, that are suffering with this uh, this awful illness. Yeah. Um, and it was very much in, in the mold of Luke and how, uh, Luke's kind of um, yeah. view on life and how he, he was very positive. He's very inquisitive. Um, he wanted to know everything about everything. Um, yeah. And he was very kind of very motivated. He just wanted to get things done. Um, so it was important for us to, when set up this foundation, that some mm. of those characteristics kind of fed through to, to what we did. Yeah. Um, so as part of this, we, we kind of considered our own journey as a family. Um, the support we'd had, um, the gaps in support, yeah. um, the gaps in information, um, and just some of the practical things, really, that, that people yeah. don't consider. Yeah. Um, we were quite fortunate in a number of sense. We, we, we had the support of the community, um, particularly the rugby club yeah. and, and the, gym, the gym, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, so financially, we were, we were helped throughout, and we never, we never really struggled. Yeah. Um, and, and there is some really significant different costs in the traveling yeah. and staying and all that kind of stuff yeah um and we're also um you know we, we have reasonable jobs we could have you know yeah we we're in a position where we would have probably managed anyway yeah. um so part of this is around you know if we were in a situation where we couldn't if we didn't have that financial support how would we have coped um we didn't have too much to do with, with very many charities um we became aware afterwards that there's a a vast number of charities out there that are there to support you. Um, mm. But there's no, there's no kind of forum to, to, to contact them and to, right, okay. to find out about them. So yeah, one of the first things we want to do is to try and in, increase awareness of, of what, what support's available generally yeah. for um, not just children going through neuroblastoma, but any kind of yeah. children's cancer yeah. charities yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Um, that, that are there. You know, there's plenty that just provide financial support yeah. or gifts or experiences um or practical support with lifts and, and taxis etc yeah um so we you know we, we want to do something with that um we want to provide a bit more awareness um across the general public really around neuroblastoma right um what the disease is um some of the signs and symptoms to look out for yeah you know without without the scaremongering we don't want to yeah be, you know, that's right everybody to you know that, that it might be their child but um, certainly, I think that as, as a parent, you are, you, are, you always think you're quite distant from these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, it, you know, we were only too, too aware how, how much it affected people when Luke was diagnosed. And yeah. People just didn't know what the disease was and mm. you know, what treatment was available. Um, so it's a little bit about raising awareness. Um, we want to provide um, practical support to families um, in terms of, uh, you know, letting them know what, what treatment's involved. Um, what um, what the journey looks like, you know, what, yeah. what, what what's out there, um, what what ch clinical trials are available abroad, um, wow. and we also the final thing we want to do is, is provide some funding to some research projects. Cool. Um, so we're, we're kind of working with, um, with a couple of the, the bigger charities really, um, just to see what uh, what research projects we can get involved with, um, and also engaging with um, some of the consultants that looked after Luke through his journey. Um, just to kind of get their steer really on, on where they think um, there's value in, in looking. And how does someone how does someone tap into how does someone tap into this Mark from yourself and your and your foundation that you've created? If someone if someone listens to this podcast who's 
whose uh, child is, is, is suffering um, some, with a similar sort of child cancer, how would they get in touch with your sort of thing? Like, what, is there like an application form or is it over the telephone or is it face-to-face or how, how, what's, the, what's the route? Well, the, the, our main kind of point of contact at the minute is through Facebook and, yeah. and, and social media. We've got a, a good presence on there. Yeah. Um, we've got um, presence on, on Instagram and on, uh, yeah. on Twitter. Um, and it's just a case of dropping the message. Um, yeah. we, we, we're fairly proactive as it is. Mm-hmm. Where we've, we're aware of, uh, of others going through the uh, right, okay, yeah, through the same journey. Um, we, you know, we, we'll reach out and we'll, we'll, we'll just you know leave a message to say that we're there should they need any kind of support or information. Brilliant. Um, and it's but it's you know it's a, it's a, it's it's a difficult journey for anybody to go through. So you yeah, don't absolutely. really want to overwhelm families, um, yeah. parents and carers that are going through this kind of journey. So mm. it's just a case of you know one of the big things for us at the minute is raising the profile of the foundation. Yeah. So that more and more people are aware of, of who we are and what we do and the, and the kind of support we can provide. Yeah, look, um, and, and that'll, that'll bring us on to our first, your, your first launch event. Yeah, do you want to sort of tell people about that? That's, you know, I, I'm coming, me and my missus are coming. It looks fantastic. Uh, re- really looking forward to that. So you, you yeah, tell the sure. world. Um, so it's, it's, it's been quite a journey just getting to this stage yeah. um, where we've, we're actually a registered charity. There was a lot of wow. work put on behind the scenes last year. Um, with the, the charities commission to uh, to, to get to, to register charity status, um, and on, so once that once that was in place, we then had to um, set up a, a business bank account, um, <laughs> which is incredibly challenging, um, surprisingly. Um, and then so we've got that in place now, um, and next steps are just to um, apply to HMRC for to, to be able to apply gift aid. Yeah, gift aid, um, and then, yeah. then set up a, a, a just given page for for donations and, and such like. Yeah. So with, with with that in mind, we decided that uh, now is as good a time as any to, to formally launch the foundation. Yeah. Um. So it's the third of April, I want to say. Yeah, third of April, um, Friday. Yeah, Friday night. So yeah. the, uh, it's an event on the at the Rugby Club at Mountain Park yeah. at the Arena. Yeah. Um, kicking off like seven and a half seven. Um, yeah. A very smart affair um, with a two-course meal. Um, we're looking to get a guest speaker down, um, a few other kind of um, fun bits, bits and pieces going on, yeah. um, raffle and, and auction and, and, and such like. Um, and it's a chance to get together with everybody who's supported us so far and, and, and kind of celebrate where we're at, um, yeah. recognise Luke's story, uh, yeah. recognise that the, uh, the legacy is being created for him. Um, and then just to announce some of the stuff we're, we've been working on uh, and some of the other things we've got planned uh, in, in the future. Brilliant. And um, how's, the calendar, how's the calendar looking so far for 2020 um, for the foundation? And in, I've seen on Facebook a lot of individuals who are going to be running Great North Runs and, and various sort of other projects for you, aren't there, to, to, to help raise funds? Yeah, it's, it, to be honest with you, it's a full-time job keeping on top of what's going on. Um, <laughs> As a foundation ourselves, we, we decided we want to keep um, a fairly small number of, of maybe significant events, so three or four throughout the year, yeah. um, that, we, that we will kind of um, set up and, and, and plan. Um, yeah. So we've got obviously the launch event um, in April. Um, we're um, collaborating with Wooden Spoon Charity, um, which is a, a rugby charity which helps kids. Nice. Um, we're put, putting on a kind of um, vets tournament and, and family fun day. Um, in, in June at the Ruby Club. Yeah. Um, in August, um, we're running um, a family fun day with um, 
it's a knockout obstacle course. Yeah, it's class. We, yeah, we did that a couple of years ago in South Park. And it's yeah, really well brilliant. attended. Um, and we obviously, we're hoping to make it bigger and better this year. So that's in, in, in August. Um, and then we'll have um, the Boxing Day rugby again, um, which, you know, again, was this, this year, I mean, this, this past Boxing Day was, yeah. was tremendously well attended. So, you know, they're, they're the key things we want to do um, from the foundation's perspective. Yeah. Um, but as you said, we're aware that there's there's lots of individuals and and groups um, and clubs that want to do their own own things to support. So um, I've already been dragged into. I'm doing the um, Great North Swim in June, doing that five uh, k. Uh, I'm doing um, a fifty mile walk. Um, which, <laughs> Adventure. Yeah. Which, well, one way of putting it, which <laughs> you know you're very kindly putting together for uh, for me and some kind of friends. Yeah. Um, they might not be I'm, friends I'm, at the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely right there. Just pick people uh, on the fringes of your friendship groups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's probably the way forward. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah, I'm planning on um, I'm cycling the coast to coast in a day, probably in May time. Brilliant. Um, and I know others that uh, have signed up for similar. Um, there's others that are doing some swimming events. Um, there's others that are doing the Great North Run, as mm-hmm. I said. Um, so there's there's plenty that um, people can get, can get involved with, um, and it's it's a it's a building year for us this year. So we see what we can do, um, and then next year um, we can start looking at we can get our own places as a charity on the Great yeah. North Swim and the Great North Run, yeah. Um, and then we can kind of push that out to get more and more people running for us. Brilliant. No, it's a, it's amazing, Mark, and it's a testament to your character, mate, that you can take something so negative and turn it into into an absolute positive. That takes a hell of a lot of character to do to do something like that. We're going really well here, mate. So what we're going to do is we're going to move on to the uh, sort of close down of the show, and it's the five watts. Um, so the first one, mate, what's the greatest piece of advice you've been given? Uh, I think I've always been taught growing up to, to be yourself and be honest with people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in, in treating others um, how you want to treat yourself. Um, so I'm kind of quite straight talking with people. Uh, I suppose that's that's through work and through rugby and, and my personal life, really. So I think it's just just be yourself and, and be honest. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair permit. Uh, second one, this can either be as a foundation or, or as an individual. Um, what's on your bucket list? Uh, well, personally, on my own bucket list, I've I've got a number of things, but the, the most significant thing I would like to do is go and follow um, one of the British and Irish Lions tours in New nice. Zealand. Nice. Um, I'd love to head to the southern hemisphere anyhow. I've never, I've never been before. Yeah. Um, but to follow, um, follow the lions around somewhere like New Zealand, I think will be a phenomenal experience. Um, and I will, I will do it at some stage. I will, yeah. I will find, I'll find a group of people who were, uh, who were happy to, to join me and head over there. I think as a, as a foundation, um, I think I, I my, my, my main aspiration really is to be able to reflect one day on, on, on a, you know being proud of the legacy that's been yeah. put there for, for Luke and yeah. um, people kind of um, benefit from um, very tragic circumstance and, 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 you know, if we can help um, fund some significant research which can really contribute to, to, to a child pulling through this illness, then, yeah, then that'll, be, that, that, that'll be a, a pretty yeah. proud moment. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be unbelievable. Third one, mate, uh, what's been your toughest day? And I dare say there's been a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Without doubt, the toughest day of my life was uh, uh, was having to read out Luke's eulogy at his funeral. Oh. Uh, that was pretty pretty awful. Um, yeah. A proud moment, but pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's much harder than that. No, <laughs> no, I can I can imagine one, mate. Um, fourth one there. Uh, what's been your happiest day? 
And if you've got a, if you've got more than one, then shoot them out. Oh, different uh, different aspects of your life, really. Um, I've won a few decent trophies with with various rugby teams. Yeah. Um, so, so some of those have been pretty significant, particularly when you're up against it. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, when you're kind of written off beforehand to, to walk away afterwards with a trophy. Yeah. Um, on any given day is always uh, really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think per- personally outside of rugby at home, uh, I guess you know watching my daughter run out for, for county uh, is pretty satisfying. Um, yeah. I think happiness when when Luke was given the all clear. Yeah. Um, at the time, obviously that was a pretty significant moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just I think that's not probably covered. I think fair enough. Uh, and again, mate, fifth and final one. Uh, what's next, either for you as an individual or as a as a foundation? Uh, the foundation. What's next is to make sure we get um, maximum attendance at this uh, this launch event. Um, what's that, sure man? Get... What's maximum attendance? You know, off the top of your head, what's the uh, max numbers? Oh yeah, you'll get that. Yeah, easy. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, it's you know, I suppose it's it's probably nerves. Uh, you, yeah. you, you don't want it to kind of fail. Um, I'm, I'm sure we, you know we are well supported by so many people, so I'm sure we won't have any issues with that. But it's, it obviously plays in your mind. Yeah. Um, so for the foundation, it's around you know make sure we're ready for that event. Uh, yeah. Make sure that you know once that's done, we move forward and we keep driving forward. Yeah. Um, personally, um, I don't know really. I think I've got probably another season left of me playing rugby, <laughs> um, providing my body lets me. And then I suppose I'll take some time to kind of evaluate what I want to do next. Um, I'm sure you're aware I'm a very, very competitive person, so <laughs> I need I need something to to get my teeth into next. I think. Yeah, would you would you go into full time? Like, would you go into a coaching role, or would you manager? Or I could see you as a manager. Actually, I could see you as a head coach. The, the new <laughs> um, Eddie Jones. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if I've got the uh, the intelligence levels for, for his position, but um, I enjoy coaching. I've coached a lot in the past. Um, yeah. I think I would probably take a bit of time away from it beforehand. I don't yeah, think I'd yeah. go straight from on the pitch to the sidelines. I think I would find that quite frustrating. I know certainly in the past when I've been injured and had to watch, um, it's I have taken no enjoyment from it because you just want to be out there getting stuck yeah. in with, with the lads. Um, so I'll probably take a bit of time away. But certainly long term, you know, as I said earlier in, the, in this uh, yeah. in this chat, there's, there's so much rewarding and um, in in coaching certainly younger younger age groups. Nice, really take a lot from it, so you know it'd be nice to give a bit back, really. Yeah, no, brilliant. Uh, look, Mark, that uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast. And uh, personally, I, I really want to thank you for coming on and, and talking about an absolutely heartbreaking issue. Um, very, very, very honest and very, very brave. And I think what you're doing with the foundation and, and how you're moving forward is, you know, it's it's really commendable. And uh, I really salute what you're doing. Um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Etc. For for sort of sponsors and, and and that sort of really good stuff. Um, so as I said earlier, the main form really is Facebook. Um, yeah. Team, Team Luke Foundation. Um, on Facebook. Uh, same uh, handle for uh, for Twitter and for Instagram. Yeah. Um, we'll be sharing out details. The Just Given page once that's properly put together and launched. Um, in in the meantime, it's it's just a case of uh of getting involved with this launch event if possible and. Um, tickets are available available through the rugby club, which again the links are, are on the uh, on the Facebook page. Yeah, is that uh, the rugby club? Is that just sort of in the main reception? You can get them from the main reception. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. If you fight, yeah. fight through the queues of people getting Tom Jones tickets, then he should be all right. <laughs> and um, I've also seen um, the wristbands as well starting to do the rounds now, mate. So that's that's really good. Yeah, again, um, we've we've got a, a few a few bits and pieces in the pipeline, so we've got wristbands available. Yeah. Um, again, there from the rugby club, um, they'll, they'll shortly be available from um, Forge Fitness, which was formerly Paragon. Yeah, brilliant. Um, again, you can drop us a message if you want them um, yourself. We can get them kind of sent out. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, like likewise, we've got uh, we've got t-shirts and a few other a few other stuff that we'll uh, we'll start uh, to promote on the Facebook page in the next few weeks. Awesome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's been Mark Bell, the tank. Unbelievable what he's been through, and it just goes to show you what the human body can sort of, and then the mind can withstand going through such a tragedy to turn it in such a, a positive outlook, and that's a testament to him and his uh, and his family. That's it, ladies and gentlemen, for this uh, episode of the Eagle Podcast. Um, just remember. There's always another day, and let's just keep cracking on. Adios.